Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. Our special guest is Ernst Breitkreutz, who called me one day and shared his story of how he saw God lead him through many happy years from childhood to his married life with children and grandchildren. But then he faced an inner pain and a depth of grief that he could never have imagined. Ernst will share with us today how he managed to face those trials. Ernst, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you so much, Mike and, and Renee, for having me. I've been looking forward to this day. And uh, by the way, just call me Ernie. So Ernie, um, you are from Sycamus, BC, beautiful place, but you weren't always there. Uh, tell us of where you come from and about your family. Oh, certainly. Uh, we're an immigrant family. We came from Germany in 1949 after the Second World War. Uh, my older siblings were all born in Germany, and I was uh, born three years later. Somewhat in the middle of the pack, I have five older siblings and four younger. And uh, it was a bit of a struggle uh, growing up at times, uh, getting into the English language, but uh, we 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 worked at it and, and progressed in it. And, and uh, after a number of years, we, we came fluent and efficient and it, it worked well for us. And I, worked, I grew up very much in a, a Canadian, but, but in a German culture, sort of say, because we, uh, we spoke German at home, we ate German, we dressed German, and we had German haircuts. <laughs> so, uh, but, but it was great, we, 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 we did learn to fit in, it was good. So tell us about meeting your wife, Darcy. But I, I kind of always knew about her because of her coming back and forth to Saskatchewan and her family. But I, I specifically recall this uh, at one summer she was back and she was 16 and we were at a youth function at the church and I was reintroduced to her and I remember thinking, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, but but uh, we, we uh, just spent time together and, and just hung out and, and just, just enjoyed one, each other's company. And then after high school, she uh, decided to go to Bible College in Saskatchewan uh, for a couple of years. And during her time at Bible College, I would go and visit her on the weekends that I could. And we fell in love at, when she was in Bible College and, and we knew that we wanted to spend our time together. And uh, so after she finished Bible College, uh, she uh, wanted to go back to BC to do her nurses training and uh, and she did so that was a corporate decision we made that we would do a long distance relationship after that we were married in 1975 in a little place called Springside Saskatchewan and she made me the happiest man on earth at that time uh, and uh, together we have uh, three children uh, a daughter and two sons 
And right now I have uh, five grandchildren, uh, three boys, and an adorable little girl. That is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now those were happy years. The last six and a half haven't been the happiest years for you. Oh, that's, that's, that's so true, Mike. Yeah, it, the last, it's coming on to just about seven years now, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a difficult journey, a difficult season for me. Uh, in uh, the summer of 2013, my wife became ill, and that would start a circuit of uh, medical things from doctors, uh, from clinics to, uh, we started out in Salmon Arm and Vernon and Kelowna and Vancouver. And uh, that was a very difficult time and all to, to no avail. And, and in uh, June of 2014, June 29th to be exact of 2014, uh, my wife passed away. That was tough. We would have been married uh, 39 years that August. And uh, after she passed, I, I just, I had a very difficult time. Even with my faith, and I, I can't say that Today, I don't know if I would say that I was angry with God, but I was certainly frustrated and disappointed, and, and I had a lot of questions. Uh, and I started the last, the next three years after that, I just started doing a lot of arm wrestling with God about the, uh, what went wrong. What did I do wrong? What did she do wrong? What did we do wrong together? What could we have done differently? And so I'd ask God a lot of questions. It probably took me eight months before I could really even pick up my Bible again and, and get back into, into Bible reading. And, and, and uh, Very painful time. It was a very, very difficult, very difficult season for us, for me. Uh, very hard journey to go through. But I, 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 I just allow me to say this. I, uh, my children were amazing to me through that time, helping me. And uh, I, I got to just say... Uh, my children, I am so blessed. Uh, they are, I have three children. I mentioned earlier, they're all walking with the Lord. They have wonderful godly partners. And they, they, they were beside me and walking through that journey with me. That's really encouraging because I could only imagine how painful and how lonely you must have been without Darcy because you obviously loved her dearly. And, but at least you had, you were blessed with three children and those children were able to carry you through that painful time. And so they were probably a reason why you could still move forward, even if it was very painful. Oh, a a absolutely, yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, I mean, I could go into story after story about how my children, and I, I always felt that I was, a. Uh, I ran my own business. I was a leader. I was, I, I pushed forward, and all of a sudden one day, I, I was leaning on my children. And and I remember uh, the incident uh, the day after my wife passed, and we were driving to Salmon Arm, and we were, had to make some arrangements at the at the funeral home. And my son was driving. I looked over to him and I said, Ross, I said, did did mom pass away? Did mom die? And he looked at me. He says, she did, Dad. And it was. Just, just there's so much surreal stuff that you can't hardly wrap your mind around all of those things. Hard to believe, hard to believe. And so that was the most painful thing for you. And then four years later, you had another tragedy that happened in your life. Oh, 
this one just about, yeah, it was a very difficult time, just about put me over the edge. <clears throat> I've got some toys. I've got this thing's called a side-by-side. -side. It's a recreation vehicle, and we take it up the mountain. Uh, anyways, uh, my grandson, Joshua, uh, who was, came with me, and we had decided that we were going to take this machine up the mountain for the, the last time of the season. It was just at the end of September to beginning of October. And so we put it on the trailer, and we trailer to the foot of the mountain, which is probably only six minutes from my house. Um, we started up the mountain, and we got to probably about the 26-kilometer range, and, 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 and we just, it was getting starting to get later in the afternoon, and, and I said, we need to get back before it gets dark. And so we started turning around in the middle of the road, and he was driving, and he took a sharp turn and over-accelerated, and the machine came around, and as the back end of the machine came around, it caught a rut, and it started flipping toward my side, and I had a split second decision to make. Either I will jump from the machine or I will stay with the machine and per perhaps have it roll over top of me and crush me. So I jumped and uh, I cleared the machine, but um, my right foot stayed behind and it, the machine landed on my, on my right leg, came to rest uh, on my right foot. What about Joshua? Like you were able to jump out but you mentioned your right foot got stuck. So what hap What? What was Josh's reaction? Well, the 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 blessing of it was for him. He was driving and he had a belt on and he was buckled in, and and the blessing for me was that I wasn't buckled in. Had I been buckled in, the machine would have landed on top of me, but I I wasn't, and I I that that allowed me to clear the machine uh, when it started rolling over. So you look down and you see that your leg is pinned underneath this machine. What did it? What were your thoughts? Yeah, that that was uh, that was hard uh, when the machine came to rest, and, and I uh, I noticed. Well, I I knew it had landed on my foot because the pain was so excruciating. I felt like I was going to faint, but I I got myself together and. Uh, then uh, I, I noticed that I saw the stream of blood coming out from underneath the machine as I was bleeding so bad, and I thought, okay, I'm in, I'm in serious trouble here. So Joshua, what did he do? He saw this happen, but he was safe. J Josh was fine, nothing happened to him, but he went hysterical. He started screaming and turning circles and apologizing, Opa, I'm sorry, and, and then he said he was gonna run down the road uh, to get help, and we were 26 kilometers up the mountain, and, and I, I thought, oh my goodness, if he runs away on me, I, I, I will not make it down this mountain alive today. So I screamed as all I had, as finally got his attention to bring him back, and he came back, and, and then he was able to take instructions. And I said, Josh, Josh, you need to lift this machine to get my foot out from underneath of it so I can see. And, and, and so I, he was able to lift it, and I, I got my leg out from underneath the machine, and, and I could see that I was in serious trouble. And I said to Josh, I said, Josh, somehow we need to be able to get this machine upright, because if we don't, I says, Opa's gonna die on this mountain today. So he started lifting it, and, and I can't tell you folks, I didn't see any angels, but there's no possible way that he could have lifted that machine. He started lifting, and I, I slid myself closer to the machine, and I was pushing on the side of the machine he was lifting, and we got that machine uprighted. And it was just, 
it was a miracle that we even got that thing uprighted. And then you got it going? We did, yeah, we, we did. And that was another, another thing to get that thing started. That was my next concern. And uh, I, was, I was bleeding quite bad. But I had taken industrial first aid course many years before that. And when the accident happened, it'd be surprising how quickly some of that came back. And I knew what to do. And I, I said to Josh, I said, Josh, you, you need to help me into this vehicle. So he got me into the vehicle. And, and I was able to, uh, to, to tie it off to some degree. And then I, I took my elbow and I, I brought my knee up into my elbow and I just pulled it into my chest. And then with my dangling foot, with my dangling, uh, with my left hand, I held my dangling foot. And uh, I said to Josh, I says, Josh, I says, uh, throw all the supplies on the back. So you threw the supplies on the back of the vehicle. And then I, I remember saying, Lord, if there's ever an angel moment, let this be one because if that machine didn't start, I'm still in trouble. And he turned that key and I think that thing turned over twice and it was running. And I really thought for the first time then I thought, you know what, I just might make it down this hill alive today. And so then, so now you got the machine started and you're starting to go down. So did you, were you able to get help? Like how did you get help? How did you call 911? Like, but we were out of cell range and there was no cell service. And so uh, I said to Josh at the time, I said, Josh, uh, on the straight stretch, you got to put this thing to the floor because Opa's in trouble and, and turn, slow down on the corners. Otherwise, if we roll this thing again, that's it. So we got down to about the 16 kilometer range and we finally got cell service and, and we stopped and, and uh, called 911 and explained to them what, uh, what had happened and that I, I would need help because I was losing a lot of blood and uh, that we needed an ambulance at the foot of the mountain. And I remember as I was talking to him, I was starting to feel faint and I thought, oh no, here I go. And so I quickly summoned Josh. I said, Josh, get me some water quickly. So he grabbed me a bottle of water and I took a couple sips. I poured the rest over my head and on myself. And it actually rallied me enough that uh, we were able to make it down. And as we got to the foot of the mountain, sure enough, the ambulance was waiting for me. And the attendants, uh, they, they, and by the time I got there, I was trembling. I went and I had gone into shock. And uh, the paramedics, those people were, are, are fabulous. And they, they threw some blankets on me and they stabilized my leg. And, and I didn't know at the time, but the, the paramedic helicopter was waiting on the ball diamond because it couldn't land. It was too many trees there. And so they got me off to the helicopter and got me into Kamloops. So you got to Kamloops and when you finally came to, what was the news? Well, I don't remember, I don't recall any of the trip going to Kamloops. I don't recall any of that. I don't, I don't recall getting out of it. The, the only thing I, I remember is being woken up in the hospital at, at Kamloops and the paramedic was standing over me and he said, he said, just want to let you know you're in Kamloops, you're in the hospital, uh, you'll be fine. He said, we have to give you some blood products in, in, in flight because he said your, 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 uh, your vital signs had started to go down because I'd lost so much blood. And then the doctor was standing there and he said, I've already had a look at your foot and he said, we should probably amputate your foot. And I said, oh, doc, and I begged him and then he said okay he says that's fine he said we'll we'll do what we can I went into surgery and uh, it was probably about a three-hour surgery and they tried to save the leg they stabilized it and 
and they pinned it and clamped it and did everything trying to save the foot. And eventually, did you end up losing the foot? I did. Yeah, they, they, they did. They tried desperately over the next three days. I had two major surgeries, probably spent 10 hours or more on, on trying to save the foot. And after the second surgery, uh, the, the doctors came in and we had several meetings back and forth. With, with, and I, I can't say enough about the team of doctors that I had. They were fabulous. But uh, after the second surgery, he probably had spent 10, 12 hours on surgeries at the time. And he came back in and, and they said, Ernie says, you're not going to walk on that anymore. He said, that, that foot, there's, we, we, we did what we could, but that foot's not going not to function for you anymore. And so we made a, a collective decision that uh, it was a time and, and uh, to take the foot. And, and uh, so my boys were there and we had a cry. And uh, October the 7th of, uh, of 2018, I went into surgery that morning and uh, I had my foot amputated eight inches below my knee. So how did you feel going through all of that now? I started to go down a very, very dark path. And Satan had, was playing tricks in my mind and saying, well, you know that, that when you leave here, you're not going to be walking like you think you're walking. You're going to need a lot of help. You're going to be dependent on your children. Uh, you're going to wind up in a home. There's just so many things. And at the beginning, I started to argue with myself. And then after a while, I thought, well, you know, that's right. When you're sitting in a hospital and you have a limb that, that looks twice as big as a normal limb, if not more, and you're in agony, you can't see yourself pushing a lawnmower anymore. And after a while, it's just, well, that's right. And then Satan started saying, wait, you know, your best option would be probably to commit suicide. How did you get over that? You were, you were suicidal at that point? You were thinking seriously about it? That was a difficult time, but, but when you're going down that path and you're, you're going down that tunnel, uh, I, I recall in, in the one time, and, and my kids had gone home already, uh, Adam had gone back to Sycamore, Ross had left, my daughter was in Kelowna, and, and it was an evening that I was feeling very low, and I, I thought to myself, you know what, I know my kids are gone, my chart has no visitations on it, uh, and it's after visiting hours, nobody's coming. And I had resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to, tonight, I'm going to make a concrete plan when I leave, as this is how I'm going to carry out my suicide. And I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and I was so deep in, in, in thought, I was staring at the floor. And, and I tell you, I was just going down that tunnel. And all of a sudden, I noticed like a shadow coming into the room. And I looked up and it was Pastor Ben, our senior pastor from the church in Salmon Arm. And I looked at him and I says, Ben, how did you get in here? And he said, well, I just asked for information. They told me on the fourth floor and I came and they told me what. I said, Ben, you're not supposed to be here. And, and he says, well, Ernie, don't you want me? I says, no, 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 Ben. And he had a little bag in his hand, and, and I fell apart. I just, I couldn't hold back the tears, and I started weeping and apologizing. 
And Ben said, it's okay, it's okay. And he pulled up a chair and sat down in front of me and he started visiting. And if I had to tell you today a sentence of what he said, I couldn't even begin to tell you. But he was there for 45 minutes to an hour visiting with me. And uh, before he left, he, he opened up the bag and he says, Ernie, he says, would it be okay if I had communion with you? And I said, of course it would. So we had a wonderful time of communion and sharing. And he prayed with me and he left. And after he left, I, I pulled myself back onto my bed and I thought, what was that all about? Like what just happened? And I pondered the time that he prayed and, and it just bought me out of a, a, a path that I was going down so deeply. And, and you know, there's one thing that I, I often said, and then I, 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 tears came down my face again because I'm sure you've heard it in your time of ministry. God is never late, he's never early, and he's always on time. And at the very time when I needed somebody most and against the things that Ben wasn't supposed to get, he, he went through two checkpoints, the visit, it was past visiting hours, and he got up to my room. And it was just a miracle. That, and I realized then that God had sent Ben at that exact time that I needed him most to pull me out of that tunnel that I was going down so deeply. Ernie, now you wanted to go forward and God had given you um, a sign that, that he wanted you to live and you were encouraged. Then you went into rehab. What was that like? Yeah, once I got onto the rehab floor, I was there probably about two or three days and, and uh, the prosthesis came in and he was going to start to fit me for a leg. And so uh, they did. They got me in and did measurements and, and they started fitting me for a prosthetic foot. Rennie, could we take a look at it? Absolutely, yeah. I could show you my bionic foot, Your my bionic, bionic leg right here. Wow. That's what it looks like. That is amazing. And it fits in your, so your, your bionic foot fits into the shoe. It, it, it does. It's a bit of a chore to put it in because it, okay. there's no wiggle from the toes or the heel. But uh, with a shoehorn, everything works really okay. quite well. So tell us now how your life changed after you got your prosthetic foot? I got to tell you, God has been good and God has been faithful. And I have, I have come a long ways down the journey of grief and, and the journey with my foot. And, and I accomplished things that I, I never thought I would be able to accomplish that I am today. When you're in the hospital and, and you're missing one foot, you don't see yourself being so far down the road is where I am today. And I, I just thank God for that every day. And I, I need to, I need to uh, say again, I'm so thankful for my family because my children have helped me a lot through this process as well. Yeah. So in closing, do you have any um, thoughts for our viewers about going through trials? Has that helped you in your relationship with God? I, there's, there's, there's one thing that, that pops out in my mind, and I, I often uh, come back to that. Uh, 
year after I had my accident, I was in Kelowna and just walking through the park with my family. And there was a group of people walking in front of us and there was a fella and he, and I don't know what he was advertising, but he had this shirt on the back of his t-shirt. It said, what can possibly go wrong in four seconds? That stopped me in my tracks. And I, I thought of that and I thought, what can possibly, a lot. My accident probably took two, and a half, two to three seconds and it's changed my earthly life forever. When those four seconds in your lifetime comes, be ready. Be ready so you don't have to be afraid. The Bible tells us in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So whosoever believeth, and I knew that that day I'm a believer and I, I'm, I wasn't afraid. And, you know, it reminds me of that Bible text in Romans 8. Is it Romans 8, 28? Mm -hmm. All things work together for good to those who love God. And I can just imagine you mentioned that you have grandchildren. And so they probably think that you are the coolest opa out there with your bionic foot. And so you've probably been such an inspiration to others, just like your story today has been so inspirational to us. And so your grandkids must, you've just been a shining light for them, Ernie, and it's so wonderful. I do get that from my kids and, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of times from my grandkids, especially when they bring friends over. And uh, I had that happen just not so long ago. Uh, one of the younger kids and he brought a friend over and he says, you got to come and see my opa's leg. <laughs> so they bring their friends over to, to, to have it. And, and it's fine. I, it's not embarrassing. It's, I, I got what I got and, and God has been good and, and I have no problem showing the, the kids and it's an education for them. Mm -hmm. Ernie, before we end, I wonder if you could have a word of prayer for us. I, I would like that, absolutely love to do that for you, for sure. Father in heaven, we give you thanks again for your many, many blessings. And Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity to share and for the ministry with Mike and Renee and Father, that this ministry would go forward and people would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, today, if there's anybody that is listening to this program, and if they are in a dark spot in their lives, just know that God loves you and God is there for you. And Father, I just pray that you'd continue to reach into the lives of the people and wherever this ministry goes, that your word would go forward. And Lord, I pray today that as we walk this earth, that we would be a light for you. And Father, that we would seize every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you again for this ministry. Amen. Amen. Ernie, you have been an inspiration. And so thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Today and for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was just a pleasure to share my story with you folks. Friends, our free offer today is entitled The Only Hope, which is filled with true stories of everyday people who found themselves trapped and were set free. This book is for you if you feel locked in a life of fear, anguish or depression. You will be inspired by these true stories of people who fought against temptations and like Ernie, they found hope, real hope, the only hope. 
To receive today's offer, you can simply go to our website at iiw.ca and click on the News and Offers tab. Again, it's iiw.ca. You can also call us at 1-888-CALL-IIW. We want you to experience the truth found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.